Hear that? Believe it or not, summer is just around the corner. Luckily, Armorall, America's most trusted auto appearance brand, has what your car needs to get that perfect summer shine. Plus, now through May 31st, we'll give you $5 for every 20 you spend on Armorall products. That means car wash pods, protectant, tire shine, you name it. Find out how to get your $5 rebate at armorall.com. Armorall, less work, more clean. Terms apply. All right, everybody. Welcome back to another edition of the 12 Questions Podcast here on the Teardown Feed. My name is Jeff Gluck, and each week we ask the same 12 questions to a different race car driver. And up this week, we have someone from the dirt world. It's Rico Abreu, and I'm very excited to have him on the podcast. Of course, if you've been following my coverage, you know I was just at the Knoxville Nationals last week where Rico Abreu was one of those competing, and he made the A-Main. And I got to talk to him a couple days before the big event um, on his prelim night. He said, "Hey, just come out to the uh, come out to the trailer." It was in the parking parking lot of a Pizza Hut, as many businesses are uh, used for um, the pits. Basically, uh, as cars get prepped all over Knoxville, you'll see uh, T-shirt trailers and gas station parking lots and. Um, just the entire town is, is taken over and, um, pretty cool. So I walked out over to the pizza hut, got to Rico's holler and we sat and chatted for a little bit. So here is our conversation. All right, everybody. I'm here with Rico Abreu and we are, uh, outside Knoxville raceway. He's getting ready to race and, uh, it's really good to see you. Thanks yeah, for doing thanks, this. Jeff. Um, Rico, when you meet someone who doesn't know who you are, do you ever lie about what you do for a living? Uh, no, I, uh, tell them I race, race cars, uh, for a living. Um, and then try to explain a little bit the race car that I race with a, you know, it's an open wheel 900 horsepower car that races on a dirt track, oval dirt track and usually show them a photo. So I, I like to talk about it. Um, it's exciting for me and, and it's something I, I really can have a conversation about racing and, um, you know, some people don't know what sprint car racing is you know they they've heard of nascar or indy car or formula one and so you got to kind of explain um you know that we race on dirt and uh it's an open wheel car and they go really fast nice that's cool yeah. that's cool uh which current driver have you known for the longest um probably uh my good friend bud kading from california mm-hmm. um I met them. I met the Kading family in the um, early um, 2008, I think seven, when I first kind of got into racing. Um, obviously, the Griffin family, who are neighbors to me, um, got me into racing, and then um, you know, but they don't uh, they don't race anymore. So probably the Kading family would Bud Kading would be the um, you know who I know have known the longest that I can comp- still compete against today. Okay. Um, can you describe to us what it feels like to crash in a race car? It's not a good feeling. Um, it's a lot of jolts and spins and, um, you know, if, if there are big crashes or head, you know, head impacts or where you, uh, you know, you nosedive the car, um, you know, you, 
you just have these you know aggressive vicious uh back and forth jolts and um you know it's something i don't look forward to doing but yeah it happens um in our sport you know either uh it can happen um you know for uh, of, of a bad decision racing or um you know things could happen out of your control where you get into crazy crashes yeah yeah uh, do you have any new habits or lifestyle changes you've made lately that you're particularly proud of? Um, I've I've really put in a lot of, of a huge amount of effort into my race team and um, the uh, you know the structure side of it and the communication side of it on um, you know as an owner and driver um, you know and hiring a crew chief full time um, you know and three full time employees just really uh focused on people managing and ke- great chemistry throughout a team and i feel like i've i've really um come a long ways in the last 10 years of of my um life of communication and and race breakdown stuff uh to get better as a driver and uh you know and just making better decisions as a team owner um you know on the financial aspect too of building a successful race team okay um, what makes you laugh during a race? You know, I'm always trying to smile and make fans feel comfortable to approach me. And, um, you know, I get a lot of kid interaction. Um, and some kids get really, really shy and, uh, and scream or run away or run and hide behind their parent. And, um, you know, I have this um, endorphin in me almost. This, and that, um, that allows me to smile and really... Um, uncomfortable situations or giggle or something and so i at times i'll laugh when the child is running away from me scared um probably because i i look a little different than the average person so um just to make them feel more comfortable about approaching me so you're trying to make somebody feel comfortable in a situation where they you think they feel uncomfortable where the yeah where the environment doesn't feel tense to yeah approach so a big smile or, or a laugh will I feel like soothe that over. That's really cool of you. That's cool. Um, what's a quality or skill you envy in another driver? Just the Jack Hodenchild and his wildness and racing and how he can uh, replay that all the time at 63 years old. And I think that's really impressive that that hasn't changed in his, you know, 40 something year career where it's um, you see different drivers change throughout their careers. and. Um, you know, and, and not be so wild at the end of their careers when you have a 63-year-old that's the same the whole time. Yeah, yeah. So this is a, a wild card question. I'm, I'm mixing it up different for each yeah. driver. Um, what I want to ask you is uh, last year, you know, there's a huge fire in your hometown and right around your, your home and stuff. Um, and, and it looked really devastating and stuff. And, you know, we hear about these fires a lot in the time it happens, but we don't really hear about, like, the recovery or how the towns move on from it and stuff. What, what's it been like um, around that area? Really eye-opening um, to see, um, you know, families and people and, um, you know, winery owners and really come together and, and help each other. And, um, you know, when there's such devastation like that, there's, um, you know, it's it was really heartbreaking to be a part of, but you really realize that you would do anything in the world to... Um, you know, to save someone's life or to, um, you know, put yourself in a position to help somebody. And, um, you know, at that point, 
last year during those fires, I really realized, you know, how, uh, you know, important life is to, um, you know, help somebody and, and help them, um, you know, recover from something so devastating of losing a home or, or a, a business they've worked their whole lives for. Um, and, uh, you know, so it's, everyone's really worked together through the, the fire and the cleanup and, uh, you know, and we, we had, um, some small fires on our property at one of our ranches that, um, is, uh, we've, they've really recovered well from now. So, um, everything is, uh, just about preparing yourself now for, for the next time it happens. And you were there, right? Yeah, we were there. We were home. Um, it was probably the scariest things I've ever experienced in my life. And to understand that, like how powerful fire really is and how out of control it can get. And it's, um, at, at one point they were just more worried about evacuating everybody than they were saving people's homes or, you know, people's, uh, valuable things where it didn't, that stuff didn't matter at that time of, you know, of the situation. And, um, you know, when there's a fire burning so fast, you, all you have is time to leave your home or, or to tell somebody, Hey, you gotta, it's time to go. This is wow. too dangerous. Wow. That's, that's incredible. Um, totally shifting gears here, I guess. But, yeah. um, what's an embarrassing mistake you've made on the track that you're willing to share with us now? Uh, f- at fork, the fork round at Eldora Speedway in 2016, I think, um, Christopher Bell and I were racing for a championship and I, it was a day race, um, uh, on a Sunday, I think, because Saturday night rained out. So we were back to the track really early and I think Keith Coons had four or five cars and we were all starting in the top eight, I believe. And I, I, um, put a big slide job on the first lap of the race into turn one for the lead. And I hit the wall and literally wrecked all five of the Coons cars. Oh no. Um, and I'm pretty sure only one made it back out. It might've been Chris. I remember Brian Clausen won the race. Um, but I was like really, really embarrassed after because of just the impatient decision I made, uh, you know, and then let alone take, uh, the whole team out. Oh and man, that's rough. One of, they didn't have time to get everybody's cars fixed. What, what <laughs> was their react? Like, uh, they didn't really say too much. I knew yeah. I made a mistake and it yeah. was, but you just, you remember those moments and you don't make those mistakes again. Yeah. Yeah. Um, do you live in Indiana? Like much of the time or I spend, uh, six months pretty much in in Brownsburg and then six months in California. And, uh, okay. Yeah. So that's interesting. Cause I bet the, the question here is like, I've been asking people if you could live somewhere, um, different from where your team shop is, where would you want to live? But it seems like you already have a good balance of you live part-time where the shop is and part-time at home, you yeah. know? And I, uh, you know, I get to travel a lot and, and see a lot of different, um, you know, towns and, and, and travel all over this country racing at all these different fairgrounds and racetracks and um you know i just realized how fortunate i am to live in the napa valley and how beautiful it is there and um you know i'm, I'm thankful that i have a home there to go to and um, you know when i'm there i i cherish those moments uh you know and, and realize how special it is and beautiful and it's a it's a unique area that you don't see across the country and um you know with the restaurants and the wineries and um, you know, and, and my family having a big part of that valley is, is pretty cool. Something to go home to and be proud of. Yeah. Yeah. 
Um, if someone handed you an envelope and inside of this envelope was the date of your final career victory, would you want to open it? Uh, yeah, I'd open it. You, you'd want to know? Yeah. Like, are you a planner like that? Yeah, I mean, I just would like to see it. I yeah. Know. And okay. Know, understand why it was that day and I haven't won a race yet this year so maybe someone maybe it'll be tonight someone can give me an envelope tonight okay that'd be good um have you achieved your childhood dream no I haven't I've you know I there's things I want to accomplish in sprint car racing and um obviously this is a dream for me to be able to race sprint cars um and do it for a living and um you know and be all um you know, all in as a race car driver and a, and a team owner and, um, you know, and seeking, you know, different personalities throughout this industry and understanding, um, how to be the best. And, uh, you know, there, there's so many things I haven't accomplished that I want to. And, um, you know, this race being one of them, I, I've, um, you know, in the last 10 years, I've really understood how important this race is and, um, how prestige it is and, and how the history behind it and how special it is to, uh, for there's, you look at the winners list and there's really not too many winners, you know, um, different winners. Um, you know, you see a lot of the same guys winning these major races. And, um, so it's, it's, uh, I feel like we, uh, I'm more than capable in winning a race like this or the Kings Royal, the major races in our sprint car industry. And, um, you know, those are, those are on my list to get done before I'm done racing. Yeah. So um, each week I ask the driver to give me a question for the next interview. And the last one I did was with um, Austin Sindrick. And his question is, like, um, let's say a kid comes to you that wants to be a dirt racer, like a 10-year-old kid or something like that, right? And they, they want advice. Um, would you ever tell that kid to race any sort of pavement at all, like to just get that experience? Or would you recommend to a kid who wants to be a dirt racer that they just only do dirt? I think you need to experience, um, you know, the asphalt side of racing and the dirt side of racing. Um, you know, you see guys like Christopher and Kyle and, um, you know, you see Chase Elliott and these dipping in, um, you know, Alex Bowman dipping into sprint car racing or midget racing. And, um, you know, it just, I think it helps um, understand, um, you know, tr track change and development and um you know and you pick up on things pretty quickly um i think that's one greatness about kyle larson is how quickly he picks up on um you know the driving style of that night and um you know he's um so aggressive but so wild and he's so under control um so it's um it's it's really it's a real fine line but to do that at um, the level we all try to do it at is is really really difficult. So um, I think being able to do that in in different cars and it, it just helps in the next car you get in. Okay. Um, so the next interview is going to be with somebody back on the NASCAR side. I don't, I don't know who it is specifically. So um, I could either you could either give a question for any NASCAR driver yeah. or when I know who it is, um, I could like double back with you. Yeah, I think I think it would be interesting to ask, um, you know, a, a NASCAR driver, you know, when you, when it, when a, a, the future of our sport is built off the youth and um, the youth of the industry. Do you, do you, do you push them to, to be a race fan or or a race car driver or, 
That's interesting. Yeah, to a like kid that can't, you know, that wants to be a race car driver, but you know, necessarily they don't know if they'll they'll ever be one. You know. Yeah. Cool, man. Well, thanks so much for doing yeah, this. No I appreciate problem. it. All right, everybody. There you have it. Hope you enjoyed that. As Rico said afterwards, uh, you know, wow, people have been. Uh, he's he's seen people tweet about asking him to come on the 12 questions. So he was uh, one of those requested. If there's somebody you are anxious to see on the 12 questions and you have a suggestion, feel free to um, tweet me and you can even tag that person maybe. And I'll try to do my best to get them on. Um, So I appreciate uh, Rico answering the popular demand of people who wanted to have him on the 12 questions podcast. Hope you enjoyed that. Of course uh, I only get to Knoxville because people subscribe to the athletic and if you would like to become a subscriber to The Athletic and you're not already, you can go to theathletic.com slash 12 questions, one, two questions. The number is not spelled out. And uh, you'll see the latest deal there. It always is changing and it's sort of targeted, I guess, depending on maybe your area or what week you're looking or whatever. But um, the latest deal you can find right there. Again, theathletic.com slash 12 questions. Would appreciate your support so I can get out to more racetracks and talk to more interesting people such as Rico. Anyway, thanks again so much for listening. And I will talk to you next time on the 12 Questions Podcast.